0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Aaron Torres, who joins us on the phone lines right now of Fox Sports Radio, as well as the Aaron Torres podcast. And AT, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How you doing this afternoon?
1: Guys, uh, total pleasure. Um, you know, listen, I-, I know we have a lot of ground to cover in a lot of different sports, but this rivalry this Saturday is always, you know, I, I you know, it, it, it's crazy. And listen, I, I understand that Arkansas has been on the wrong side of it several times. So I don't want to be rude or disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. But pleasure to speak with you guys, John. I hope you're enjoying Arlington, Dallas, and uh, excited to be with you guys today.
0: Yeah, well, just wait, just wait until I'll tell you if I'm enjoying <laughs> it or not. Like it's, uh, uh, it, it always just do I think I'm
1: crazy and there's more crazy to come? Is that what you're telling me?
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's kind of like Arlington every time I take the trips, like Game of Thrones, you know, the lead up to it is amazing. But the finale just ruins it all. And so I just (laughs) never really enjoy myself uh, as much. But you talk about this great rivalry, as you mentioned it and and the games like this. It's it's just amazing where, you know, there's been a lot of close games we've all talked about and whatnot. But it's also just very crucial for both of these teams, both of these coaches, even in this game, maybe more so than ever. Not many times have you seen this matchup. I think Kevin Summon and Brett Bielma faced off against each other in 2017 in their final years. But not to say either one of them, if they had to lose this game, they're going to get fired. But, man, both of these coaches, Jimbo Fisher, Sam Pimmon, they really, really, really need this win for many different reasons.
1: Yeah, it's a great point, John. And it's something I thought about a lot kind of in the lead-up to this game is that, listen, I know things haven't gone to plan with Arkansas so far, sitting at 2-2, but also, and, and I'm not making excuses for Sam Pittman's group, but, you know, you're, you're not that far away from being 4-0. And so you you somehow find a way to win this game, all of a sudden it does kind of tie the momentum and, you know, maybe shift the momentum in another direction. And then I think from Texas A&M, I, I know that Connor Wigman's out. I know that, frankly, he's out for the year. But obviously Max Johnson looked really good, um, you know, filling in for, for Wigman last week against Auburn. And so – the only reason that I really bring it up is because I, I think for A&M, as much as Arkansas, and I think Arkansas has a ton at stake as well, as like if A&M, it feels like A&M, it's, it's, it's a major fork in the road game, right? If they win this game, then all of a sudden you get Jalen Milrow basically uh, you know, on the road in Aggieland next Saturday uh, in the toughest road environment that he'll have ever played in. And you start to say, wait a second now, A&M might be building something here and they might have some momentum. Now, the opposite is true as well. If Arkansas were to win this game, then you sit there and say, well, well, you know, A&M's 3-2. Their most impressive win is against a rebuilding uh, Auburn team, and what, how do we actually feel against them? How do we actually feel with them, excuse me, with LSU on the road, Ole Miss on the road, Alabama at home coming up? So, it's huge for both teams, and, and I do think a win on Saturday and certainly a definitive win would make both feel great in the right direction. Obviously, if if you lose this game, it's going to be frustration and a lot of questions, as you just said, John.
0: So what what's the key for either team or both teams in this case, Aaron? If Texas A&M is going to win this game, what's the key? If Arkansas is going to win the game, what's the key?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with Arkansas, I, I mean, it's just – cleaning up the the, the the fixable mistakes. I mean, guys, you analyze this stuff, you know, seven days a week, five days a week, whatever. I'll defer to you, but if you just look at these these last two games and, and, you know, a field goal against LSU on the road, uh, BYU at home, and you have 25 combined penalties in those two games. That feels like something that, that should be fixable and is fixable. And if you can fix that, all of a sudden – Maybe those two results are different, but certainly maybe the result on Saturday is different. Uh, From the A&M perspective, I think it's a few things. One, obviously, Max Johnson. I mean, I don't know that Auburn had any idea what to expect when Wigman was out at halftime last week, but also with with A&M as well, that defense looked really good last week, but ultimately was it because Auburn is in a major rebuild uh, Hugh Freeze has publicly spoken time and time again about how much work he has to do to fix up that roster after the Brian Harson era. Or is the AM defense actually somewhat improved? We know the talent that's on that roster. We all follow recruiting and the recruiting rankings and you know, we all know what may or may not have happened to put that twenty twenty two recruiting class together for Texas A and M. But I just bring it up because they looked excellent against Auburn and have largely looked excellent in three out of their four games this year the counter of course would be the one game that they did not look good was the one game that they played the best team that they faced all year Miami where the defense was a total 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 mess so I think that that's probably what stands out to me about A&M is the defense actually fixed or did they just face an Auburn team that maybe we don't quite realize how much work that that program has to do.
0: So, Aaron, I'm curious about uh, just, we're I guess, what is this, a quarter away? Getting closer to a third away, maybe, from the college football season coming to an end, which is really sad when it's put that way. But just overall, what would you say is or some of the biggest surprises in college football so far this year, whether it's good or whether it's bad, some of the things that's really surprised you so far?
1: Yeah, I think the theme to me, guys, is I do think there is way more parity than we've seen in the past. I mean, Clemson has two losses. Alabama, as I just referenced, has not looked great. And, listen, Ohio State, uh, you know, was one play away from losing on the road against Notre Dame last week. And so one thing, and I even talked about it a little bit on my show throughout the week this week, is that, I, you know, I was, I don't want to say a critic of the transfer portal. Um, I, I didn't think, like, I, I didn't think it was the end of the world that players had to sit out a year, be, you know, when they decided to leave their schools. But I bring it up because, I do think more than anything the transfer portal has created great parity in this sport, right? Um, You know, you look at – I'll just give you an example, right? Texas is in the top five in the country. Where are they right now if Quinn Ewers doesn't transfer into Texas? On the flip side, uh, Ohio State is probably the definitive number one team in the country if if Quinn Ewers is stuck there and cannot transfer without having to sit out a year. Uh, Oregon with Bo Nix. Washington with Michael Penix. They are obviously taking advantage of transfer quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks, and I know in those two cases it is the COVID year which is playing a role as well. Um, So I think to me it's just parity, right? Florida State, I I think Florida State to me, when they've been at 100% and their quarterback Jordan Travis I don't think was at 100% last week, that has looked like the most complete team in college football to me. Well, their quarterback – their two best wide receivers, their best edge rusher, couple offensive linemen are all guys that came out of the transfer portal. So I don't mean to belabor the point, but to me, I, I was a guy that was a little semi-anti-transfer portal, and what I do think is it has created uh, – it's it's basically led to guys are not sitting around two, three, four years in football specifically waiting for their opportunity. If they don't get their opportunity when they feel they're ready, they're going somewhere else, and what it's led to is – more talent spread across the sport. I don't think there's that quote-unquote greatness at the top, and now all of a sudden there's much more parity in what is always a fascinating sport to follow. I think there's even more parity now than there's really been uh, pretty much at any point that I can ever remember in recent memory.
0: The Pac-12, for the way it's looked the past few seasons, is only going to look like that through this season. But how good are those (laughs) teams looking in the Pac-12 that are going to be going in all different directions?
1: So Joe, you mean to tell me you're not fired up for the Pac Two next year, just Oregon and Oregon State and Washington State playing every every week for twelve straight weeks.
0: And um, and they look good too, Aaron. Those two teams.
1: They do look good. They do look good. No, I mean listen, you know, and this is something i I mean, I remember discussing on my shows in the summer. It's like it's just it's just sad that they couldn't figure out a way. Um But I think what stood out to me is something I know that I've talked about over the last couple of years. and something I know I'm sure I've talked about with you guys at various points. is, You know, I think the the West Coast has a little bit of a negative reputation. And I I think in many ways it's fair. But I do think there are a handful of programs that are really committed to competing at the highest level of college athletics, whether it's Oregon, whether it's Washington, whether it's Arizona basketball, whether it's USC football. Uh, And, unfortunately, they're seeing the fruits of their labor at the worst possible time. And what what this year really just points out to me, Joe, is, you know, the importance of the right coach, the right infrastructure, all that. I mean, listen, you know, we can debate if USC is going to win this weekend or how bad their defense is. But I think we all agree that USC, you know, two off-seasons ago basically said this is a fork in the road moment. We cannot just assume that we can hire anyone we want and we're going to be fine. We have to go get the biggest name we can get. They did it with Lincoln Riley and whether they ever won a national championship or not, they're in a better place than they were. Um, you know, Washington had a couple down years and they said, this is not acceptable. Let's figure it out. I think you can even look at Colorado. And, and I know that, that, that Dion and coach, you know, coach prime is, is a polarizing character, but listen, that school made a commitment knowing that at the very least they were going to be super high profile and they were going to have a, a really dynamic quarterback and some really dynamic skill position players highlighted by Travis Hunter. That was a program that was tired of being mediocre, tired of going through retreads and guys that have this, and what about this guy? No, they, they went big. And so I give the conference schools credit, um, and I think the product has been really good. By the way, UCLA, I'm sitting here about five minutes from the Rose Bowl, um, you know, we can make fun of the crowds and the this and the that, but UCLA about four or five years ago made a commitment to major college football going to get Chip Kelly when we know SEC schools wanted him. And so it, it, what it really just speaks to more than anything is a commitment. I, the football is really good out here, um, and it's certainly going to make for a fascinating Uh, back half of the season here because obviously all these teams are eventually now going to start playing each other. It's going to lead to some awesome results and some awesome games here over the next probably six to eight weeks.
0: It's me with Aaron Torres of the Aaron Torres podcast and Fox Sports Radio here on Out of Bounds. And Aaron, I know with all the stuff going on in college football, it's really uh, still pretty early. I know that we can kind of get an indication of what some of the teams are looking like. But uh, kind of going back, I asked you about the biggest surprise. But now I want to ask you about, who do you think is the biggest contender, and who do you think is the biggest pretender in college football? Who's somebody that you're feeling like, oh, yeah, this is legit, this is the real deal Holyfield, and who's somebody that everyone's buying into, but you still have not seen enough from them just yet?
1: Well, it's funny. Somebody was asking me today, what, who is the real deal Holyfield to you, Torres? And I said, no, um, I, I would say this. I, I think, to me, Florida State, is, and I'm not like, listen, do I think George on a neutral field motivated still the best team in the country. Yeah, I still think Georgia's probably the best team. But you look at Florida State, and it's a few things. I mean, one, they have the two big wins. Uh, you look at that conference, Clemson already has two league losses, so they are I don't want to say they're out of the ACC championship game contention. But you look at Florida State, I do believe, by the way, I, I think when they were at 100%, they were the best team that I've seen so far. That was against LSU. For people who don't follow Florida State on a day-to-day basis, their quarterback, Jordan Travis, got hurt prior to last week's Clemson game, and they still found a way to win. Uh, So I bring it up because, to me, that is the best team that I have seen at full strength. Doesn't mean that they're going to win the national championship anything like that. Um, But, you know, I, I, I think they're a fascinating story. John, really quick, did you ask me who I think is legit or who I think is a, a fraud or what, what was exactly the question? I know I started with Florida State, so I just want to make sure I'm answering your question correctly.
0: Yeah, essentially I was just asking you who's a who's team that you were like, yeah, gotcha. this team is legit championship contender, and the other team that maybe a lot of people are saying they are, but you still don't believe in it just yet. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I think for the second, the second side of that question, John, to me – I think it's the entire Big Ten. And uh, Listen, I mean, Ohio State, uh, (laughs) I don't know if you guys have had a chance to talk about Ryan Day this week, but I thought those quotes were certainly interesting. He said them literally five minutes before I went on air on Saturday night, so we reacted to them in real time. But listen, you know, it was a great moment. They were also literally one play away from being three and one with games at Michigan against Penn State at home still to come. So you look at Ohio State, Michigan hasn't played anybody as they go on the road against the Nebraska team that's improved this week. Penn State basically has played essentially all their big games at home so far, if you even want to call Iowa and, and, and West Virginia big games. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there are three teams in the Big Ten that appear to have separated themselves. But I don't know that I'm totally sold on any of them. I think you could argue Penn State has looked the best out of all of them, but have had the least success in the last couple of years. So that's probably where I would stand right now. So I would say Florida's looked the best. I do think Georgia in the SEC deserves the benefit of the doubt until further notice. Um, but then I would also say that Big Ten is, is, to me, still fascinating because you have three good teams at the top. One has looked good. The other two have looked just okay. Uh, as they all get set to play each other here over these next
0: couple weeks. Notre Dame came up short against Ohio State last week, and then we saw at the beginning of the season Duke got a big win over Clemson, and they play each other this week. Notre Dame at Duke. What are your thoughts on, on that matchup?
1: It's a great question, Joe. It's one that you know I have no super strong opinion on as far as who's going to win and who's going to lose just because – Listen, we all played sports, and and we all know the emotions that come with sports. I mean, you can sit there and look at matchups and what about this and what about that, but I mean, we all watched the end of that Notre Dame game. We all saw those players on the sidelines, essentially jaws on the floor, uh, you know, trying to process what happened in front of them as Ohio State scored on the final play from scrimmage of that game. So I think it's easy to sit there and say they're the more talented team, but one how do you handle the emotions? and then the other aspect of it too is I, I do think Duke's a pretty good team like they took care of Clemson they won by 21 and I know that was kind of a weird night and Clemson had a million turnovers but Duke is a very good football team and so that's one Joe I don't know that I really have a strong opinion on Duke will have the home field advantage Um, I'm told that it's going to be one of the biggest and best crowds that they've had there in quite some time. Obviously, Clemson struggled in that environment just three weeks ago. So I would probably, I mean, if I had to take a guess, I would probably actually lean Duke a little bit at home. But that's one, guys, I just, I don't know that I have a super strong opinion of. All
0: right, A.T., I know we just got you for a couple minutes, but I got to ask you this. This this whole Taylor Swift thing, Travis Kelsey thing, it, it's in incri- it's insane. But I, I'm just curious. Forget all the stuff of what you think. How do you think it ends? That's my question for you. How does this end? Does it end in a breakup? Does it end up in marriage? Does it end up Travis Kelsey's career just being shot because he decided to go and date Taylor Swift? How does this thing end? You
1: know, it's, first of all, I appreciate you asking the hard hitting questions that America really wants. Always. To know. Um, <laughs> No, my wife asked me the same thing. She's like, "So, do you think this is like the one for her? And I'm like, no, this is going to end with a bad breakup and a really good song and another billion-dollar world tour uh, in, you know, a year or two from now. Listen, I, I'm i far from a uh, a dating expert by any stretch, but I don't know. I, I've seen this one too many times, you know, star athlete, star entertainer, oh, my goodness, they're the hottest thing that's ever happened. And then six months later, it's a thing of the past. And then the other thing, too, I, I don't I don't know how long they've been privately doing things behind the scenes, but, you know, to, now she's going to road games. I mean, it's one thing if, you know, hey, I want to support my man at home and, you know, I'm just getting to know him, whatever. But now she's traveling to New York to face the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, I'd be, I, you know, listen, let me, let me put it this way. If I was one of Travis Kelsey's best friends, I wouldn't be blocking off uh, weekends anytime in the near future for an impending wedding. I wish the two nothing but the best. If this is true love and I'm wrong, uh, your producers can play this clip uh, for me every time I come in going forward. But this feels, uh, I don't know, it feels like it's, I don't know, you know, it it doesn't feel like it's, uh, you know, meant to last forever, I guess, is the best way to put it.
0: Well, I love how uh, one of our texters from the 870 said and our Southern Structural Solutions text line says, you want to know how it ends? It ends with a Top 40 song. That's exactly That's what I'm it saying. Ends,
1: which, it's going to yeah. be a great song that we all know every word to, and we'll be singing it at, you know, some Taylor Swift concert in 2027, and we'll know it's about Travis Kelsey. Like, remember that guy that used to play for the Chiefs? What was his name that she dated back in 2023? Um, you know, so we all know how uh, it's going to end, and it's going to yeah. end with a lot of money in her pocket, but anyway.
0: Yeah, well, either way, though, it'll be great to see if hopefully still playing in the league when the breakup happens, because, you know, every single NFL stadium is going to be blaring that song every single time against the Chiefs. But should be a great one. Well, AT, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the weekend, my man. You deserve a little time off, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later this season, all right? Well,
1: of you guys, thank you so much. Have a great Friday. John, be safe in Dallas. I appreciate you guys. Thank you.